Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Saturday, March 18th, 2023. It's been 3,307 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 388 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, we assess that Russia's large-scale winter offensive has culminated, but Russian forces have available combat potential to launch a new wave of offensives. Second, we maintain that the Russian Federation armed forces are combat ineffective and are only capable of effective attacks on a small area of the front, such as Bakhmut. Third, We assess there is an elevated risk of cruise missile attacks against Ukrainian civilians and civilian infrastructure over the next 72 hours. Fourth, we maintain that Russian forces are experiencing a critical shortage of anti-tank guided missiles and man-portable anti-tank weapons. Fifth, we maintain that Russian forces are experiencing a perceived shortage of non-precision artillery munitions theater-wide. Sixth, we maintain that the Ukrainian defense of Bakhmut has reached a critical state. Seventh, we maintain that Russia no longer has the resources to cause catastrophic economic, social, or military disruptions by targeting Ukraine's electrical infrastructure. Eighth, we maintain that Russia can no longer tap its strategic reserve of caliber cruise missiles and can only launch its monthly production of 25 to 30 missiles. Ninth, We maintain that there is a risk of a nuclear accident due to the de-energization of Ukraine's electrical grid as long as the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, continues to target Ukraine's power industry. Tenth, we maintain that short of using chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear, those are seaburn, weapons, the Russian military will continue doing everything possible to capture Bakhmut, regardless of cost. Eleventh, We maintain that Russia has committed almost all available ground forces to Ukraine and cannot maintain the current level of personnel and equipment losses. Twelfth, we maintain that the public infighting between private military company or PMC Wagner Group's leader Yevgeny Prigozhin and the Russian MOD has reached a dangerous level that threatens to derail the only successful Russian offensive operation since June 2022 in Bakhmut. Thirteenth, we maintain that the Russian MOD is actively working to eliminate the influence of PMC Wagner Group and Yevgeny Prigozhin, 
both on and off the battlefield. Fourteenth, we maintain the Kremlin is actively attempting to topple the legitimate government of Moldova. And finally, we maintain the Kremlin is actively interfering with the Georgian government's attempt to join the European Union. One year ago, yesterday, on March 17, 2022, Russian troops withdrew from Brovary, east of Kiev, as the siege of Ukraine's capital started to fall apart, and Ukrainian troops attacked Irpin. Ten people, including United States citizen James Hall of Idaho, were killed by a Russian sniper while waiting in a Cherniev breadline. Due to heavy losses, Russia tapped the reserves of the First Guard Tank Army for operations in Kharkiv. In Merfa, Russian forces destroyed a school that residents were using as a bomb shelter, killing 21. Further south, Russian troops occupied the northern half of Izum. Russia was forced to abandon its plans to attack Odessa and transferred the 382nd and 810th to Mariupol. The last two remaining Western reporters in the city were rescued by Ukrainian troops, with Russian hit squads tracking their movements. Videos and pictures were smuggled out on a memory card hidden in a tampon. The Russian MOD falsely claimed that Rubizhne, Marinka, and Popazna were captured. The Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, falsely claimed they killed three Tennessee National Guard members. Syria promised to send 40,000 troops to Ukraine, which never happened. And in Moscow, the FSB arrested General Roman Gavrilov. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, and Russian mercenary mill blogger Rybar reported continued fighting in Hryanikivka. Rybar stated that Russian forces, quote, took control of several Ukrainian strongholds in the area of, end quote, the settlement. Just a quick note. Strongholds is Russian millblogger speak for a trench, foxhole, cluster of trees, or a house. And as we've previously reported, the administrative boundaries of the towns adjacent to Hryanikivka abut the village. So terms such as in the area of or near, specific to this particular settlement, would mean within. We maintain Hryanikivka is contested. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. The operational tempo has slowed in the Kremina operational area, with fighting limited to the areas northwest, west, and southwest of Kremina and near Kuzmine. Russian mercenary mill blogger Wargonzo reported that Russian forces heavily shelled Vilohorivka, the one in Luhansk, launched an attack, suffered losses, and returned to their defensive positions. In northeast Donetsk, in the Siversk operational area, Russian forces continued to attack Verkhnokomyanskia and Spirna with about as much success as you would expect. Assuming you expect none. Near Berestova, members of the Edelweiss 10th Brigade hit a Russian Su-25 ground attack aircraft with a missile fired by a manpad. The video does appear to show the aircraft was hit, but doesn't validate that it was shot down. As with most of the photos and videos we reference here on the podcast, 
we do link to it in our full situation report on Patreon. But be advised, the low quality of the video has a bit of a strobe effect and could cause seizures in someone who is susceptible. In the Bakhmut operational area, there was no change in the line of conflict, and Russian sources provided very little information. We maintain this is an operational pause by Russian troops, not a culmination point. We expect a larger attack within the next 48 hours, based on previous actions by Russian forces and PMC Wagner. PMC Wagner attempted to advance in Orikhovo-Vasyalivka and toward Bohdanivka and Ryurivka without success. A geolocated video showing fighting north of Bohdanivka verified our line of conflict placement. Fighting in the area of the Azom metal factory complex continued, as well as street fighting in Bakhmut. A video showed Ukrainian DRG squads crossing a footbridge unopposed over the Bakhmutovka River between the central and eastern districts of the city, indicating the barrier between the two sections of the city is porous. Fighting was reported near Ivanivsky with no change in the situation. Russian sources claimed that Russian troops had established positions west of the Seversky Donetsk Canal and were within two and a half kilometers of Chasivyar, but there was no information to support the claim. Also, the GSAFU reported repelling an attack in the Klishivka area, suggesting the Russian advance failed. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, there were no changes to territorial control. After a surge of attacks over the last 72 hours, particularly north of Avdiivka, the operational tempo is slowing. Fighting for control of Kamyanka continued. Wargonzo claimed that Krasnohorivka was captured without any kind of supporting evidence. We did not update the map. Russian forces continued their attempts to advance on Avdiivka from Opitne. Up to four KH-59 guided air-to-ground missiles struck civilian buildings in Avdiivka, with Russian troops supported by the self-declared Donetsk People's Republic now electing to bomb the city to rubble. Ukrainian officials appealed to civilians remaining in Avdiivka to leave due to the indiscriminate attacks. Rybar claimed that Ukrainian forces had reoccupied the high ground north of Vodyana, with Russian forces attempting to retake the area. This region is coded as a gray zone on our war map, and we did not make updates. Fighting for control of Pervomaiske, Sieverne, and Nevelske continued. In the Marinka operational area, fighting continued in what remains of Marinka, with no change in the situation. In the Wuhlidar operational area, the Russian MOD reported their forces shelled and launched airstrikes on Wuhlidar. Moving on to Zaporizhia. The city of Zaporizhia was hit by S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for a ground attack, damaging multiple apartment buildings. No other information was known at the time of recording. In case you're wondering, there was no update on the status of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OCS, reported 19 vessels of the Black Sea fleet were on patrol, including two frigates and two Kilo-class submarines capable of launching up to 24-caliber cruise missiles. OCS Director of Communications Natalia Khomenyuk warned that the risk of a Russian missile attack is, quote, 
quite high. Russian forces launched a wave of Iranian-sourced Shahed-136 kamikaze drones, which have, in the past two to three months, preceded a larger missile attack. In western and central Ukraine, Russian and Ukrainian forces traded artillery across the Dnipro River. Russian forces completed 50 fire missions, firing 237 artillery rounds, mortars, rockets, and indirect tank fire, with three attacks on the city of Kherson wounding three. The general director of Ukrhydroenergo, Ihor Serota, accused Russian troops of occupying the Kakhovka hydroelectric power station and turning it into a military facility, saying, quote, The Russians have organized a stronghold there because the station can almost withstand a nuclear attack, end quote, adding that staying at the powerhouse adds a feeling of security. In Dnipropetrovsk, a fuel depot in Novomoskovsk was hit by two Iranian-sourced Shahed-136 kamikaze drones, with three more shot down. A large fire was still burning at the time of recording. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. Russia launched 16 Iranian-sourced Shahed-136 kamikaze drones from Bryansk and the Azov Sea overnight. Ukrainian officials reported 11 were shot down, including all launched at Kyiv. Two struck Novomoskovsk, and three more were unaccounted for. The United States flew an RQ-4 Global Hawk surveillance drone over the Black Sea today, returning to overflight missions in international airspace for the first time since a Russian Su-27 collided with an MQ-9 Reaper on March 14th. The Global Hawk flew approximately 60 kilometers further south than in previous missions. The head of the Fidesz party in Hungary's parliament, Mate Kocsis, confirmed that his party would ratify the protocols of Finland and Sweden joining NATO separately, and put the decision on Finland's accession to a vote on March 27th. Kocsis said the vote would be, quote, unanimously in favor. Also yesterday, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan said that his country is starting the process of ratifying the protocol on Finland's accession to NATO, quote, soon, and that the issue of Sweden would be taken up separately. Erdogan also signaled that Sweden's membership was no longer a non-negotiable, with talks between the two nations continuing. Slovakia will provide Ukraine with 13 MiG-29s, 11 fighters, and two two-seat trainers. At a briefing, Eduard Heger, Slovakia's prime minister, said that the government had unanimously approved an agreement to donate MiG-29 fighter jets to Ukraine and would provide the aircraft jointly with Poland. Later in the day, Kyiv and Bratislava ratified the agreement. Heger said, quote, Today, the government unanimously approved an international agreement on the basis of which a decision was made to provide Ukraine with MiGs and a part of the Kub air defense system. End quote. Slovakia will receive 900 million euros in compensation from its allies for the fighter jets and air defense system, which is a pretty good deal for Slovakia, with airworthy MiG-29s in the private sector, because yes, you can privately buy a MiG-29, 
selling for $5 to $10 million depending on the condition. A former Ukrainian Air Force MiG-29 with only 570 hours and fully restored was for sale in the Seattle area in 2020. Speaking of the private sector, let's talk about the Russian military and mobilization. On January 29, 2023, a Russian soldier made a motivational video promising his five children that if they behaved and got good grades, he would bring them back an ear from a member of Ukraine's Azov battalion. He explains in the video that they are good guys. Experts have told us that taking human body parts as trophies to remember the thrill of the kill is not an indication of a healthy mind. The soldier was killed, I assume, in combat on March 15, 2023. Employees of the Criminal Investigation Department of the Ministry of Internal Affairs of the Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, okay, they really need to work on those names, arrested their so-called fallen hero of the DNR, Vadim Pagodin, accusing him of being the, quote, head of an organized criminal group, end quote. Pogodin is accused of killing 16-year-old avant-garde youth team goalkeeper Stepan Chubenko in 2014 at the start of the Russia-Ukraine war. Pogodin allegedly arranged to have Chubenko kidnapped, brutally beat and tortured the teenager, took him outside Donetsk, and executed him. Pogodin is a former battalion commander of the 1st Army Corps, and his arrest comes just weeks after the self-declared acting leader of the DNR, Denis Pushilin, purged the prosecutor's office under the direction of the Kremlin. Some assessment here. The Kremlin didn't suddenly take issue with a 2014 war crime. Moscow has been accused of slowly purging the ranks of the DNR First Army Corps and the leadership of the DNR to tighten its grip over the occupied territories. Pogodin is facing a 21st-century version of a slow-motion Stalinesque purge and apparently made someone in Moscow mad. Semyon Pegov is part of a committee the Kremlin formed to allegedly listen to the complaints from Mobiks, Russian troops, and their families when the Russian Ministry of Defense is deficient. We've seen no evidence that the group has had an impact, but Pegov did provide a readout from the second meeting. A draft law will be submitted for the Duma's consideration to terminate debt obligations to the parents of those killed in combat who are co-signers. Currently, people who are mobilized or conscripted and work under a fixed-term contract with their regular employer can be fired. The committee recommended changing the laws to protect workers' rights. The committee recommends adding hazard pay to Mobics serving in the, quote, border areas, claiming they operate in an environment of, quote, high risk. The committee also recommended continued work to fix problems with military registration and enlistment offices, reporting there are still many appeals and complaints about logistics, staff, and failures within the commissariat network. Quick sidebar. So the Kremlin has said for months that mobilization is over and spring conscription hasn't started yet. Why would there be fresh complaints? All is going to plan. In our War Crimes and Human Rights segment, we discuss events that might be upsetting to hear about. There is no graphic detail in today's report, but please feel free to skip ahead to the next segment. Timestamps are in the description. 
the International Criminal Court, or ICC, or even the court, issued warrants for the arrest of Mr. Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin and Ms. Maria Alexeyevna Lvova Bielova, accused of committing war crimes against Ukraine. Russian President Putin is accused of ordering the unlawful deportation of children and the unlawful transfer of children from Ukraine to the Russian Federation. Putin is accused of, quote, committing the acts directly and jointly with others and for failure to exercise control properly over civilian and military subordinates who committed the acts, end quote. Lavova Bilova, who is the Commissioner for Children's Rights in the office of the President of the Russian Federation, is also allegedly responsible for the war crime of unlawful deportation of children and the unlawful transfer of children from occupied areas of Ukraine to the Russian Federation. The ICC accuses her of committing the acts directly. The arrest warrants were issued on February 22, 2023. The jurisdiction of the ICC is recognized by 123 nations and territories, including all countries of the European Union and South America, as well as Tajikistan, Afghanistan, South Africa, the Central African Republic, and Nigeria. The biggest impact on Putin and Lvova Bilova is they will be at risk of arrest if they travel to or through any of the 123 nations that recognize the authority of the ICC. The Rome Statute has not been signed by the United States, China, India, the Russian Federation, Israel, Ukraine, Turkey, or Iran, among other nations. Putin is only the fourth head of state to have an arrest warrant issued by the ICC. The former president of Sudan, Omar al-Bashir, had a warrant issued in 2008 and a second one in 2009. He was imprisoned by the Sudanese government in 2020 and will be transferred to the ICC when he completes his sentence. Former President of Libya, Muammar Gaddafi, had an arrest warrant issued in June 2011 and was captured by the Misrata militia in October of the same year during the Libyan Civil War. Gaddafi was tortured, shot in the stomach, and left to die. The former president of the Ivory Coast, Laurent Gbagbo, was turned over to The Hague in 2011 for four counts of crimes against humanity and was acquitted. In his evening address, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said the illegal transfer of thousands of Ukrainian children, quote, would be impossible to commit without the order of the top leader of the terrorist state, he means Russia, separating children from their families, depriving them of any opportunity to contact their relatives, hiding children on the territory of Russia, and throwing them in remote regions. All this is an obvious state policy of Russia, state decisions, and state evil which begins precisely with the top official of this state. I am grateful to the team of Prosecutor Karim Khan and the International Criminal Court and everyone in the world who is helping us in the fight for justice. I am grateful for the integrity and willingness to really bring to justice those who are guilty. End quote. In economic news, Russia's Sukhoi Superjet 100-passenger aircraft fleet may be grounded due to increasing engine part shortages. Russian-French developed SAM-146 turbine engines power the aircraft, and critical parts have run out for some operators, while others report they can keep operating through the end of 2023. 
Hotel owners in Crimea lament that they have almost no reservations for the upcoming May holiday break, despite loyalty programs and deep discounts. Pro tip, reframe it. The beaches aren't unsafe because of landmines. They're thrilling and keep you on your toes. Those aren't trenches. They're custom-built sunken walkways. Sonic booms and air defense missiles. Who doesn't love a fireworks display? Those are not Ukrainian drones. That is an air show. And those random searches by the FSB are just the characteristically Russian hands-on approach to guest service. According to the Minister of Resorts and Tourism, Vadim Volchenko, few people want to relax in Crimea. The revelation comes less than a week after Crimean officials predicted the occupied Ukrainian territory would have its best tourist season in years due to the earthquakes in Turkey and unrest in Georgia. Ukrainian IT company Starlink won a lawsuit against Elon Musk's SpaceX. Musk demanded the Ukrainian firm terminate its trademark to Starlink, claiming that SpaceX's use of Starlink is a, quote, world-famous brand, so give it back, end quote. One huge problem with the lawsuit, though, is that Ukrainian IT firm Starlink opened in 2010 and has been continuously operating ever since. SpaceX didn't start using the Starlink brand until 2015. The courts dismissed the case because the trademark was established five years earlier and is in fair use. The ruble closed the week with an exchange rate of 77 for one U.S. dollar in a volatile session. Western oil prices fell again, with West Texas Intermediate, or WTI, dropping to $67 a barrel and Brent falling to 73 Russian Urals crude held its official price of $49 a barrel. United States wholesale Arbob gasoline traded at $2.51 a gallon or $0.67 cents a liter on the spot market. Dutch TTF natural gas futures were unchanged, with April and May contracts holding at €44 Euros per megawatt hour. Just a reminder, we will stop reporting European natural gas futures pricing on March 30th due to the end of winter and price stability. Chicago SRW wheat futures ended the week trading at $7.09 a bushel for May 2023 delivery. And that's what we know. Join me again on Monday for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.